Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Psalms this morning, Psalm 22. Well, this morning we recognize this day as Palm Sunday. Uh, It's the beginning of what many in Christianity would call the Holy Week. Uh, It begins with Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And um, throughout that week then, uh, Jesus will do many things, but it'll uh, become his arrest, his trial, conviction, and crucifixion. And praise the Lord that it ends with a resurrection. Uh, We will talk about this next week. Uh, But today we want to talk a little bit, I want to introduce to us this Palm Sunday and then move on to it. But why Palm Sunday? Uh, I heard of a family that was uh, uh, preparing to go to church on 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 a Palm Sunday morning and their youngest child, he's about seven or eight years old, uh, he, he was ill that morning, and mom and dad were discussing it, and they decided mom would stay home with the little boy who was just too sick to go to church, and dad would take the rest of the kids and go to that Palm Sunday service. Well, um, during the, the service, the little boy's Sunday school teacher uh, found the father and said, we missed Timmy this morning, wish he could have been in class. He said, yeah, he's sick, and she, so she gave him a palm leaf, and she said, we did these in class today. Maybe some of our own kids will have some palm leaves they'll bring home today as their teachers are teaching them about Palm Sunday. She said, would you give this to Timmy? This is what we did in class today. And so the dad went home and went into the bedroom where the mom and the little boy were at. And he said, hey, how you feeling and all that? And then he handed him this palm leaf. And Timmy looked and he goes, what's this? He goes, well, that's a palm leaf. And he looks at the leaf and he looks and he goes, what's it for? And he goes, well... Uh, uh, your teacher uh, gave this to you, and they did this in class, and this is what the, the people threw out in front of Jesus when he arrived. And the little boy got very serious, and pretty soon uh, tears swelled up in his eyes, and they said, well, what's wrong? And he goes, the one Sunday I don't go to church and Jesus shows up. Well, it wasn't at church that that happened, but it was in Jerusalem. And the people threw palm leaves in front of Jesus as he made his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. As I said, a lot happens between Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday, between the triumphal entry of Jesus and the triumphal resurrection of Jesus. When Jesus arrived on that Sunday, it was his first time back in Jerusalem since... He had resurrected Lazarus from the dead. You remember that in John chapter 11? Uh, Mary and Martha had called for Jesus, and Jesus delayed his coming. I'll speak of that in just a moment. He delayed his coming, and by the time he did arrive, Lazarus had been dead for four days, and was already in the grave, and, and Mary and Martha are heartbroken. But then Jesus calls Lazarus forth out of the grave, and he, uh, he, he comes out alive. And so you can imagine the fame and the popularity of Jesus. I mean, he'd been performing miracles, feeding people with just a little lunch, and, and healing people, all kinds of things. But now he, he raised somebody from the dead. And so his popularity has grown. He's almost like a celebrity. And so when Jesus arrives back in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday... There's this great celebration by the people. They cry out things like, Hosanna, which means save us. 
And many of them are saying, blessed is the king of Israel. Is it not interesting that these same people that on this day are saying, Hosanna and blessed is the king, the next Sunday, what will they, uh, excuse me, the next uh, time during that weekend is crucifixion, what will they be saying? Crucify him, crucify him. The people, though, were highlighting Jesus because of Lazarus' death and resurrection. But Jesus is coming to highlight his death and resurrection. Much is going to happen in this next week. We're not going to look at it today, but in the Gospel of John, from uh, the first 11 chapters covers a period of about three years. 11 chapters covering three years, but chapters 12 through 20 cover just one week. Nine chapters just covering the events of one week. Let me just speak of what happens in this week. Not all of it is recorded in the Gospel of John, but throughout the Gospels. But you remember Jesus cleanses the temple? Remember he comes in and, there, and, and he cleanses it and he casts out the money changers? And after cleansing the temple, he teaches this principle. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer and not a den of thieves. Jesus will be anointed by Mary, the sister of Lazarus. She'll come and anoint him with oil. And, and that's where Judas is all upset by this. Why are we wasting this money in this fashion? It was very costly. Of course, we know this. This was done in preparation of his crucifixion. There's the lessons from the upper room. Jesus and his disciples meet in the upper room. He institutes and teaches on the Last Supper, which will become our communion or the Lord's Supper. He teaches his disciples on being a servant. You remember when they were arguing who's the greatest amongst us? And he teaches them a valuable lesson. Remember, sometimes the greatest teaching is caught, not taught. You remember what Jesus did? He got down and he knelt down and he began to wash their feet. That was the role of a servant or of a slave. And Jesus was teaching him, hey, the greatest amongst us will be servants. He gives the announcement of his betrayal. One of you will betray me. They were all shocked that it was Judas, by the way. They were not anticipating it to be him. There's the announcement of his soon departure. He said, I'm leaving you. They didn't understand it. He was speaking of his death and then his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. He says, I'm leaving you. And they don't understand that. There's the announcement of Peter's denial. He speaks of the comfort that will be provided to them by the Holy Spirit, known as the Comforter. Then we leave the upper room and there's a prayer meeting that takes place in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prays for his disciples and all those that will come after them. Really, literally, you read John 17, Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for believers today and that will come. There's the arrest of Jesus there at the conclusion of that prayer meeting. And at that time, most of his followers desert him. They run. They go into hiding. There's a mock trial, a sentencing to scourging, and then crucifixion. This week between Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday was a busy and momentous week. Now, during this day and time that we live in, most of us have heard of Good Friday. It's the day that tradition says that Jesus was crucified. I will note here that there's quite a bit of debate on whether he was 
crucified on Friday or some believe Thursday and many believe Wednesday. And that would be a study for another time that we probably should have at some point to give you what maybe is a, a more biblical approach on that. I will say this, there is debate on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday of his death. There is no debate on his resurrection. He did die. What day it was, and there's a Jewish clock and all those things that we must consider. But there is no doubt that he arose from the grave on the first day early in the morning. And so we are certain of that. But this morning, I want to fast forward from this day, Palm Sunday, over to the crucifixion, whether that be Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, let's move our thoughts to the crucifixion. We've been studying the Psalms for some time. In fact, we've had 19 previous messages on Sunday mornings out of the Psalms. And this morning, I want to consider Psalm 22. In fact, many have titled this, and I'm going to borrow this title for our title this morning, The Psalm of the Cross. The Psalm of the Cross. One of the aspects that we've been studying as we've gone through various Psalms is we've tried to find out what's the background or the story behind that particular Psalm. What was happening in the author's life that, that inspired him to write out these various words. We, the most recent Psalm we studied was Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd and that was coming from a shepherd's heart, King David. David uh, writes in that fashion, and we can learn from that. Well, what's the story behind this 22nd Psalm? Charles Spurgeon makes this quote on Psalm 22. He's a, if you don't know that name, he's a preacher uh, from many years ago, an author, writer of many things, and Spurgeon says this, David, and you'll notice in the superscription, this is a psalm of David. David and his afflictions may be here in a very modified sense. But as the star is concealed by the light of the sun, he who sees Jesus will probably neither see nor care to see David. Now that might seem a little confusing, but let me just say what he's, let me paraphrase what Spurgeon's saying. This is a psalm of David, but it's not about David. And as we read it and as we consider today, it's very easy that we're going to see this is a psalm about Jesus Christ. A thousand years before Jesus Christ would be crucified, there's a psalm about his crucifixion. In fact, many believe that Jesus quotes portions or all of psalm 22 before his death or even on the cross we'll see words that are that are listed there that we'll see in the gospels or you can read in the gospels about the crucifixion of jesus many believe that jesus quoted david a thousand years later i believe this that david quoted jesus a thousand years before jesus said it this is the psalm of the cross I read of a preacher, I have a commentary series on the Psalms by a man named Graham Scroggie. Again, he was a student of Spurgeon's and then he became a pastor of his own. And, and he, I was reading some of his notes on this this week, and he, he, um, he quoted a preacher from his day. I don't remember that preacher's name, but the preacher took a message from almost every verse in Psalm 22. There are 31 verses in this psalm, and he preached 28 messages from this psalm. 
And I am this morning and I'm going to preach all 28 messages to you. Really what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you those 28 titles as we read through this passage of scripture this morning, giving you an idea of, again, this psalm of the cross. It clearly describes the crucifixion. Let me say this. As a means of death, the crucifixion, it is described vividly and accurately, and when David is writing it, it hasn't even been invented yet. The Romans are not even in great power yet, and they're the ones that have invented the crucifixion. Uh, the crucifixion was invented by the Romans to, to be placed upon criminals, those that have uh, broken the law in some fashion or a, a political rival of somebody in the Roman, they would crucify them. And the intent of the crucifixion was this. It was to inflict as much pain upon that individual for as long as they could to make them uh, suffer as much as they could before they died. Crucifixions took hours, sometimes days, in order for a person to die. Now Jesus, it was about six hours. And it was all based upon uh, upcoming feast and things that were taking place there. It took six hours. But the crucifixion was intended to inflict as much pain and discomfort on an individual as they could. It really was a, 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 an instrument of um, a causing a person to bleed as much as possible, to be exhausted as much as possible, that they would lack energy, they would lack strength, and they would hang on that cross, their arms extended, and it would cause their diaphragm to be crushed by their own skeleton, and it would restrict their breathing. Imagine that person on that cross, and their arms are extended, and it's pushing against it, and they're trying to breathe. They were suffocating as they went through all this pain and torture. And so what they would do is they would push up on their toes as much as they could, trying to lift off some of that pressure upon their, their, their diaphragm and just to get a breath of air. And you can imagine hour after hour after being beaten, after have lost, lost of all this blood, you can imagine how difficult that would be. And that's why on the day of Jesus' crucifixion, the Jews said, listen, we've got the feast coming. We've got to move on. And they went to the thieves that were crucified with Jesus, and they broke their legs so they could no longer push up. But when they got to Jesus, they saw that he had already died. And fulfilling Scripture, that not a bone of his body would be broken. And so they took that spear and they pierced it. But can you imagine suffering in that fashion? Oh, suffocating. How many of you, and I, I don't want to make light of what we're talking about, but how many of you have ever had the breath knocked out of you? And just the panic that, I remember the first time that ever happened to me, I was sliding down a slide head first at eight years old and went off that and, and, and just smacked on my belly. And I, I, I rolled over and there was no air in my lungs. And I can remember the panic that came over me. Rachel's grandfather, in his senior years, he had emphysema really bad. And he was on full oxygen, full time. Uh, always had to carry a tank with him wherever he went. And one day, Rachel and Grandma were out somewhere. And me and the boys, we were little then, we were home with Grandpa. 
And uh, he could always, when that tank got low, he could, he could switch out everything, and we tried to let him do as much as possible. And I remember one day uh, I was sitting there, and he, he was trying to get that tank switched around. And, and I asked, I said, Grandpa, you need some help? He said, no, I, I got it, I got it. And he's trying to do that. And he dropped the wrench that you had done loosened something. He's picking that up, and it just wasn't going well. And I could see his hands starting to shake. And after a few moments, he said, help me, help me. And I ran over and I began to try to get this one disconnected here onto the other. And in panic, he started grabbing my hands and saying, hurry, hurry. He could not breathe. And I said, Grandpa, you're going to have to let me do this. And he sat back in that chair and I finally got that on. And I turned on that tank and that oxygen filled his lungs. And <sighs> Can you imagine not being able to catch your breath? This is the crucifixion that Jesus, and this is what is described for us in Psalm 22. A thousand years before it will happen, a thousand years before it is invented, this crucifixion takes place. As I give you these titles of each passage and then read the verse, let your mind go back to the crucifixion. First of all, we see the cry in verse number one. My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Jesus himself would make that cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I won't comment on every verse. We don't have the time this morning, but let me comment on this. For the first time, there is separation between Jesus and his Father. He cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou... See. Jesus has become sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 teaches us that the sins of the world were placed upon Jesus. He paid the penalty for our sins and God turns his back. Because of the holiness of God, he cannot look at him. And Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's the cry followed by the complaint in verse 2. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. He's crying out to God, and he doesn't hear an answer. There's the acknowledgement in verse number three. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Do you get that in the context? He's just cried out, you don't hear me. But then he submits to this, you are holy. You're right. There's the contrast in verses four through six. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man. He goes on to say the reproach in verse number 6. A reproach of men and despised of the people. There's the mockery that will take place, verse 7. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head. That leads to the taunt in verse number 8. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. There's the appeal in verses 9 through 10. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. When thou, uh, thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast, I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. There's the entreaty in verse number 10. Uh, 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 verse number 11, be not far from me, 
for trouble is near, for there is none to help. There's the assault in verses 12 and 13. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. There's the faintness in verse number 14. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. There's the exhaustion in verse 15. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. The piercing in verse 16. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. There's the emaciation in verse 17. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. Verse 17 speaks of that insulting gaze as well. Verse 18 speaks of the partition of the garment and the casting of lots. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. There's the importunity in verses 19 through 21. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to deliver, excuse me, to help, to help me. Verse 20 uh, uh, one, uh, verse, excuse me, uh, verse 20 says, Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, and from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorn. Verse 22 speaks of the gratitude. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Verse 23 speaks of the invitation. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. Verse 24 says, For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard. Verse 25 speaks of the vow. My praise shall be of thee in the great great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. Verse 26 speaks of the satisfaction of the meek, Seekers of the Lord praising him and the eternal life. It says, the meek shall eat, of the, uh, uh, shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Verse 27 speaks of the conversion of the world. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn into the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. Verse 28 speaks of the enthronement. For the kingdom is the Lord's. He is the governor among the nations. Verse 29 speaks of the author of our faith. All they that be fed upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none shall keep him alive his own. Verse number 30 speaks of the seed. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. And then finally, we have the everlasting theme of occupation and the finish of the faith. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. This psalm, again, is a great description of Jesus at Calvary. It's about his sufferings, that physical suffering and also that spiritual suffering that I mentioned, separation from the Father for the first time. This psalm is about the shed blood of Jesus for the remission of our sins. And I am so grateful that this is not the end of the story. This is the God-man. 
It's not just any ordinary man that's being crucified. It is the God-man. And on the next Sunday morning, following this crucifixion, this very Jesus would arise from the dead, victorious over sin, over death, providing salvation to all that will call upon him in faith. I look forward to next Sunday to be able to declare that and preach that. But this morning... As we consider this psalm of the cross, let me just for the next few moments give us some thoughts that will help us for this day and this time. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says this, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. I certainly do not want to try to bring the experiences of Jesus on the cross and and what he went through down to our level. But isn't it wonderful to know that we have a Savior that knows how we feel? Isn't it wonderful to know that we have a Savior that's experienced the difficulties and the trials and the temptations of this life yet without sin? And in so doing, provides for us an example and a teacher of how to live in these days that we live in. I want to share just three simple, quick thoughts with you this morning. Number one, I want you to think of these two words, sin and sacrifice. Sin and sacrifice. Do not forget this, that it was sin that put Jesus on the cross. Not his sin, but our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's verse 21. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It was our sin that Jesus took upon him. It was our sin that caused Jesus to be separated from the Father. Here recently, uh, I've been teaching a class on Saturdays in our Heritage Institute of the Ministry. Brother Sam Stolzoff is in that class with me. And we're, uh, we've been studying here recently the depravity of man. That man is born a sinner. We inherited a sin nature from our earthly father, Adam. And one of the words we've, we've been using is this word called impute. We've been imputed with the sin of Adam. But I'm grateful that we can have the righteousness of Christ imputed upon us. See, I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. Because of this sin nature, we are under condemnation already. And if you die in your sin, you will be separated from God forever. And because of the death of Jesus Christ, his shed blood on the cross of Calvary, his resurrection, we can have his righteousness imputed upon us. Listen, I'm still a sinner today. I mess up. I make mistakes. But you know when God looks down on me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Not the righteousness of Mark Carpenter. No, the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been placed upon me the day that I receive Christ as my Savior. But don't forget, it's our sin that put Jesus on the cross. It's our sin that placed him there. You may have heard of the man named Rembrandt, an artist from the 1600s. And one of his famous paintings is of the painting of the crucifixion. 
I've not viewed this. I just read this. But from what I understand, in that painting, he's got Jesus on the cross and the thieves. And there's a crowd of people around there at the cross. And over in the corner, Rembrandt has painted himself. Signifying it was his sin that put Jesus there. Listen, church, it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. There's the sin and the sacrifice. Oh, let us remember that on this Palm Sunday leading up into the crucifixion of Jesus. Let me give you two other thoughts, two other words. Number two, suffering and submission. Suffering and submission. Do you remember when Jesus was in the garden before his arrest and trial and crucifixion? He prayed these words. Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But then what are those next words he says? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Oh, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew of this impending suffering that would come upon him through the crucifixion. And I know, I believe with all my heart, it wasn't just, I I don't think it was the physical suffering that that he was struggling with. It was the separation, the spiritual separation he was about ready to have. He understood that this suffering was going to come. And we see that described for us in Psalm 22. But yet he submitted himself to the will of the Father. Suffering. Jesus teaches much to us about suffering. In fact, the night before his crucifixion, He tells his disciples in John chapter 16, in this world ye shall have tribulation. Difficulties come. Hard times come. We live in a world that's cursed by sin. And for that reason, there are struggles, there are problems, there are diseases, there are illnesses, there are tragedies, there are things that happen to us that are not fair. There is death, sometimes untimely death. I spoke last week to you about this 19-year-old young man hit by a drunk driver down on the, right outside the campus of Pensacola Christian College. That's not fair. That's not right. But it happens. You know why? We live in a sin-cursed world. And you're going to have to endure difficulties. You're going to have to go through hard times. There will be people in this room that will hear from a doctor of a, of a diagnosis we would never want to hear of. It's going to happen. But you can do this. Submit yourself to the will of God. And know this, that I can trust God. That God will get me through. That God will allow me to overcome these things. There's sin and sacrifice. There's suffering and submission that we see here. One final thought, number three. There's supplications and silence. We see Jesus praying and it seems that his prayers are unanswered. There's no response from God in in this chapter. Now we know God hears the prayers of his children And we know that God always responds properly. But isn't it difficult when we pray for something and we don't hear anything? In fact, one of the first messages I ever preached here at Heritage was out of John chapter 11. I preached on this title, Why is God Late? 
That's the same passage I mentioned earlier where Mary and Martha, they call for Jesus. No doubt they wanted Jesus to get there before Lazarus died and to heal Lazarus. And Jesus on purpose delays his coming. He was late. He didn't make it. That's what Mary and Martha said. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But there's more to it, isn't there? Oh, Jesus wanted Mary and Martha to learn some things. Jesus wanted Mary and Martha's faith to grow. Jesus wanted to work in some other people's lives that were involved with this. Jesus wanted to do something far greater than just heal a man from a sickness. He wanted to raise him from the dead. But the greatest thought that we can learn from John chapter 11 is that Jesus, that God allows things sometimes in our lives simply so he can be glorified in them. I watched a memorial service of this young man, Jaden uh, Goins, last week. I watched a recording of it. I watched his dad get up there and preach the message of his son, his 19-year-old son's funeral service. Body right in front of him and his dad proclaiming the gospel. And his dad proclaimed this. Somehow, some way, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but somehow, some way, God's going to be glorified in this death. That's believing and trusting in the Father, even in the difficult times of life. There are times you're going to pray to God and ask God to do things, and it's going to seem like He's silent. Still trust the Father. Still believe the Father and rely upon Him. There's sin and sacrifice that we should consider. There's suffering and submission we should consider. And then there's supplications and silence. On this Palm Sunday and throughout this week, leading up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Resurrection Sunday, I'd encourage you, would you read through Psalm 22 some this week? Maybe you just put that, uh, add that on to your daily Bible. Read just 31 verses. W- would, you, would you go there with me this week and, and remember the sin and sacrifice, the suffering and submission, the supplications and silence, and have your faith grow stronger in a great and holy God, knowing that he's always right, knowing that he can't be wrong, and trust him in the struggles of this life, Oh, thank God for the cross of Calvary, the cross of this psalm. Would you bow your heads this morning? Would you just spend a moment thanking Jesus for his sacrifice for you, paying the penalty of your sin and my sin? Perhaps you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never called out to him as your savior, recognizing that it's your sin that separates you from a holy God and Jesus paid the penalty for your sin, but you still must call on him in faith and you have never done that. You feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart right now pulling you and drawing you to him. It's because he loves you. And I'd encourage you today to come. Christian, you're here today. You know Christ is your savior But it's good for us to be reminded of the cross, the great sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. 
during this invitation hour, whether there at your pew or you feel led to come to the altar today, it would be a great time to thank God, to thank the Lord Jesus for his sacrifice. It'd be a great time to dedicate yourself, rededicate yourself to the ministry and service of the Lord because of his great sacrifice. Father, I pray that you take this invitation moment. Lord, you'd use it for your honor and your glory, Lord, that you would speak to hearts as only you can today, God. And you draw people to yourself, Lord, and we'd be obedient to you this morning. Use this invitation for your honor and your glory in Jesus' name. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, would you stand with me this morning? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. As the piano begins to play, the Lord spoke to your heart. Would you respond today? The altar's available. Your pew's available. Make that an altar. Your heart is available. Make that an altar today. Thank God for the great sacrifice of his son, paying the penalty for our sin.